Bangers and hash. Welcome back to Bangers and Hash. Bangers Here we are. Oh, jeebers. We got all the new stuff today, man. All the, the chill and relaxing. Uh, oop, I forgot to turn one thing off of my recording device. We're good. It's no longer scrolling along. Okay. Keeping that in. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> to turn the update while playing thing on, so it was going to distract me. Gotcha. I have ADHD real bad today where I'm just like on to the new topic. Yeah. But yeah, I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh, here oh, to talk some new releases. You did it wrong. I'm sorry. You did it oh, wrong. Oh, I thought that was the ending. I no. thought it was only the ending where we did reintroduce. Oh, man. You're the faceless Leon. And and that person over there, they're the green traveler from Gorsh? Thank you. Gorsh? This is Pangers and Hash. Pangers. This is Bangers and Hash, a podcast yeah. about breakfast. Uh it's about <laughs> it's about movies and TV, just like our other show. Uh you guys know that if you're here, because it's a Patreon only show just for you guys. Oh wait, that's right. We are gonna share this one. We decided. Yeah, we are sharing this one. Normally, right. it would be just for our patrons. That's right. But if you if you decide you like this show, come on down to patreon.com slash faceless. It's exclusively there, except for this episode. Yeah, I because we felt bad because like we were it. we were pretty late on the on the draw. We're on this pretty one. late on this one too. Yeah, just releasing this on on everything. We're a whole week behind, and now we're yeah, a whole we're pretty, week and yeah. a couple days behind. But yeah, I, I've been busy. Yeah, this is a long story, and we've already we've already discussed it in episodes yeah. past. Um, I I am reminded in in thus saying that um, there was an NDA, and I have to say the the from Gorsh part of Green Travel that's just a joke. It's just a fake planet. No, it's there's real. no. It was named no, by no. Goofy. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And upon I discovery, like, yeah. He's like, well, it's an India, though. there's a plane. Yeah, I can't. There. There's nothing there. It's a fake thing. I made it up. Yeah, that's uh-huh. right. I'm joking right now. NDA. Yeah, no aliens. I mean, no aliens exist. I'm not talking about the NDA because that's not what you do with an NDA. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like Fight Club. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I got four movies. You had three shows. Is that what you that's said? That's right. Yeah. Maybe so may a little slow, but I they definitely seem to have a theme. Uh, I thought they would have more of a theme, but I'm pretty sure I've already talked about one of the shows that I was going to talk about. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I should probably start then. I'll start with the the big exciting uh, drawing in of the episode: Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, our blockbuster film, uh, Disney's latest. Yeah, very, very sad. Yeah. Honestly, like, uh, I went to see this, it was the midnight release in IMAX theaters. Uh, a friend of mine bought the tickets, otherwise I would not have ever done such a thing, because midnight, I'm typically asleep on my couch by then. <laughs> but, but I, I was, I was, uh, I was willing to go to this one. I, I was geared, I was ready, I was excited. Um, cause I didn't, you know, nobody really knew how this was gonna go. Uh, Chadwick Bowman, you know, Bozeman sadly uh, passed away, and they had they had a, a a sequel already planned, and they had to you know Ryan Coogler, the director and writer, had to kind of 
turn around and, and rework the plot. And, right. you know, it was kind of like a, like, I'm sure they gave him enough time to do so, but it, like when you're, when you're in that kind of a creative atmosphere, you've already got something that you really like down right. on paper and now you have to scrap it all or, or most of it at least. And like, and turn, do a 180 and like rework it. I think he did a hell of a job. Like, I think this film has some issues. There are some, um, very mild areas where I think the plot could have been handled better. It's very long. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. And I feel like they could have easily cut down some of it to two hours. Specifically, uh, they bring back, what's his name? Um, I know the actor's name. I need to get the character's name pulled up real quick. Uh, Morgan Thrawn's character? No. Mar- yeah, Martin Friedman as Martin Everett Friedman. Ross. Yeah. He's, uh, an, you know, he was in the first one. Uh, I love him from the Sherlock shows as Watson sure. there. Um, he's a great actor. What and about Hobbit. Bilbo? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really like the Hobbit show. No, movies. the movie. Those... But he did good. Yeah. He did the part. Yeah, he was a good, he was a good Bilbo. And, and like, I do like him as Everett Ross. I like that, that character. And I think he worked really well in the first one. But what, what really worked about him was his, you know, his kind of chemistry with Chadwick Boseman is his, his playoff of all of them. And he played off of Shuri a lot too. Right. So they still have that to, to work with. And, you know, every other character from the first movie came back. Well, some, some characters obviously didn't. I won't <laughs> go into it for spoilers, <laughs> but with Everett Ross in this movie, a lot of his scenes just kind of feel like padding or, or kind of like trying to ground it with the first film. And it just, it wasn't necessary for something that's already two hours and 40 minutes. If you cut Everett Ross from this film, you're down to like 215 and you have a much better film. Mm. Like, no offense to Martin Freeman. This stinks. But the, the rest of the film follows Wakanda and its, its struggles to, you know, accept the fact that their king has died. To accept that, you know, the Black Panther is gone. Um, the rest of the world stupidly thinks them weakened because their, you know, their warrior, their protector is gone. They don't have a Black Panther, therefore they must be weak and easily attackable. Um, but they have the amazing, uh, their amazing queen played by Angela Bassett. Where, why is her name? Why is she not at the top of the list here? Yeah, geez. This is silly. Man, she's so far down. Ramonda. I was trying to find her her name, but she's the queen, and she's you know presenting them on a, yeah, I, a public atmosphere. I heard that she was particularly excellent in this movie. Oh my god, brilliant! Like there are so many like just sentences that she says. I mean, even in the trailer, if you've seen the trailer, it's one of the best trailers I've seen in a while. But you know where she has that one line that comes near the end of the trailer, where she talks about like all of her loss that she's had. And how she still has to rule a nation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that that scene alone, it's just like, it hits you hard in the heart. Like, it's really good. And, and the whole movie opens up with the nice memorial to Chadwick Boseman where the entire, you know, the Marvel intro where you have the, you know, the word Marvel portrayed yeah. and you see all the characters in the comic book format. Uh, that was all Chadwick Boseman. And it's really, you know, really moving. You're just like almost instantly brought to tears because it's just, it's so sad. But they do a really good job honoring him. Letitia Wright as Shuri is incredible as well, I thought. And, you know, her, her dealing with her emotions, her, her new role as, you know, the, the princess, the next in line if, if, uh, Ramondo were to pass or, or be killed. So that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of that. It's kind of similar to the first movie's, uh, emotions with Black Panther. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not really, 
working new ground. You know, it's nothing new for the MCU, but it's a really good emotional film. And the big chunk of the film, the big, the drama that, you know, if you've seen the trailer, you know about is Ironheart uh, is introduced, played uh, by, uh, well, Riri Williams is her, uh, her name, Ironheart's person's name. Uh, <laughs> Ironheart is her superhero name. Uh, she's played by Dominique Thorne. And she is an MIT student who has created technology. I heard they were going to make an Ironheart movie, but I didn't know that she uh, appeared in this one. It's a show, I believe. They oh, might have reworked it into a movie, but it's going to be one of their Disney Plus shows okay. next year, I think. Okay. Well, we don't know yet. <clears throat> yeah, I don't dun, really dun, remember. Dun, but she... It's the Igernine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she created something that, like, finds the, the metal in Wakanda. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, uh, by. Branium. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it endangers Atlantis because Atlantis turns out has some kind of vibranium or something. I can't remember what, I, I don't really remember the plot. I saw this like a month and a half ago. Yeah. A lot of it's kind of slipped away, but it endangers uh, Atlantis and, and Atlantis is King played by, let me get his name here. Tenaquerta Magia as Namor amazing as namor i think this is his uh breakout role like i don't think this is his I, first role i think he's I think... uh acted in his home country yeah and exactly yeah <clears throat> and this is his like his big international like breakthrough and he's amazing in this i really liked him as namor there's a lot of good personality to this character he doesn't quite live up to the killmonger hype like killmonger was an amazing fucking villain like i love michael b jordan as killmonger and that was like like him and chadwick boseman were everything for that movie yeah and so this this film you know had a lot to make up for and i don't think namor or uh you know shuri stepping into chadwick boseman's role as like the lead character i don't think they really quite live up but it's still good at you know it's not i, I don't want to like say either of them are you know, not not as great because like that uh, that feels very insulting because they both deliver amazingly, but it's just not in the same realm as as you know what Killmonger right. brought in. the The story between Killmonger and Black Panther was just very personal between the two characters. So yeah, it, it, and also it, there was a lot of social commentary with his his story as well. Exactly, in a lot yeah. Of ways. And I do like there's there's a good message in this one. You know, there's a lot more. Um, I mean, there was a lot of good female characters in the first one, but there's more female empowerment in this film because a lot of your your main characters. You know, you got Shuri, Angela Bassett, like all of the Dora Milaje. The guy, I'll, I'll just shout them out here real quick. Uh, you got Okoye played by Danae Guerrera, uh, Ao by Florence. Kasumba, Anika by Michaela Cool, who was amazing. I loved her in this. No, I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Nakia comes back, uh, played by Ludipita Nyongo. Nice. She's back in it. So, like, you know, you got a lot of really amazing female stars heading this film, and the action is a lot of fun, too. I do think the action was way better in this movie. The action and the cinematography is really beautiful, so they do a really good job at capturing some really cool fight scenes. They do overutilize slow-mo a little too much. There's a lot mm. of slow-mo, like, water effects 
where you have especially in a long movie like come on yeah <laughs> i know it would slow down and i would be like come on man if you were just get rid of these moments we'd be down 10 <laughs> minutes more but no, everything everything really works i do like the emotion of it. i gave it three stars and i think it's an easily nice. recommendable and fun marvel film it's just it's got some issues that like it's it's in credits don't stick around for a post-credit scene there isn't one there's just a message um, we didn't know that we sat through the, the 10 minutes of credits and it was just a uh, black Panther will return in the future. And it's like, well, yeah, no Good. fucking duh. Good. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was really annoying. And it's, it's mid credit scene literally could have just been tacked onto the finale scene, the very last scene. And you wouldn't have, you could have either done another mid credit scene or just not have one. Like it, it was really stupid for them to have the final scene cut do their flashy credits and then the you know the mid credit scene opens up literally at the exact same spot and that scene just continues <laughs> and i was like fucking why <laughs> like that was it was just it was so weird like there's some choices that were made that were just stupid but i i do want to say there's a scene with uh shuri is a very emotional scene but it made me very hyped i won't spoil it but there's there's some cameos that I fucking loved. I will say that. Nice. So there, go see it. Well, Check it out. I I gotta say it's it's probably the most excited for one of these movies that I have been for a while, and it is one that I thought would get me back going to the theaters again. But uh, you know, we need a car, so <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna save that money instead. But yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely when it comes out to stream. I'm definitely gonna be there to watch it. Uh, we still haven't watched Hell Love yeah. and Thunder, so <laughs> we almost haven't watched what? Sorry, Love and Thunder. I missed that. Oh yeah. Well, I guess it makes it my turn. Is it my it turn? It makes you. It does. Okay. Well, I want to talk about this. Is not what I teased throughout the week. Uh, I'm gonna save that. Since you did what you did, <gasps> um, I watched this little documentary. Uh, I mean, it's an hour and a half, but it is on Netflix, and it is called Orgasm Inc. The story, Ooh, I like that, of One Taste. Yeah. Ooh. So, have you ever heard of One Taste? I have not. Me either. It sounds like a like food, like a meal delivery plan, like you know. The pre-prepared food well, that you cook, you know? Following the words orgasm, ink, it makes me think of something else. It's not, yeah, it's not what that, <laughs> what I <Okay>. said. <laughs> so, uh, One Taste is a company that uh, came about due to this woman who uh, basically, um, in the long run, it turns out that she was a, a, a con woman. But uh, her name is Nicole Daydon. I think that's how you say her name. And uh, I will not make fun of it. <laughs> and uh, she um, believes, or sa- so said that she believed that the power of the female orgasm could make the world a better place. Like she even has like a TED talk and stuff that from years ago and stuff like that. So she's, she did have some science that was behind this that she used as the basis of this company 
that was teaching oming. That's what they call it, which is orgasmic meditation. It's an abbreviation. Nice. So this is, it, it is basically a sex act, but it is a prolonged act that is supposed to be a meditative state for the woman. So, so, so is she saying that having orgasms like gives them like ideas that are conducive to human evolution or like um i think what she is working towards initially or what her message was was to increase intimacy to uh and awareness of your own female body and um also just to help you open up there's a lot about opening up let me tell you about that yeah. I just figured that when you said like it, it was she thought that uh you know female orgasms make the world a better place I thought maybe that she had like good scientific evidence that some of the best uh inventors in the world like their their like designs have come after having orgasms <laughs> they're like oh my god <laughs> That's really funny uh but no the scientific evidence that she uses as the basis for this is that scientists have found this spot that most to all women have next to the left side of their clitoris is there's a surprising nerve bundle there that if you stroke just that spot uh something happens to the woman that they call uh nailed and in her rhetoric and that they just basically just like you know, they they basically just seize up. They can't really do anything there, and then yeah. and then she teaches them. It's like to, when you grab the nape of a neck of a cat. Sure, yeah, <laughs> um, and <laughs> and <laughs> she uh, the the woman then would be doing this for fifteen minutes, usually with a man stroking her. And the idea is to, for the man to be with her there, go going up and down, you know, to, to improve their intimacy, basically, was mm-hmm. the thought. And it was getting a lot of recognition and stuff. But eventually, people started realizing that she was just trying to get away with as much shit as she could. And she would, she would keep on pushing the envelope of what it meant to ohm, what it meant to orgasm. And in fact, one former member uh, said that one day he realized that almost every month his definition of what an orgasm was changed until orgasm was God and God was Nicole. And he approached (laughs) her about it and he's like, you're trying to start a religion, aren't you? And she says, well, yeah, I would love to start a religion, but you can't sell God. So I'm selling sex hey man like yeah yeah i know i'm like yeah like i i would i probably would have roped me in i have to say there were sessions of uh oming for men where the the women would do it for the men but they never publicly like announced that and stuff that wasn't technically a part of the program because of the social dynamics I, I thought, you know, if they were going to make a religion, then it should maybe go both ways. But definitely the the women were at the hierarchy. They are the ones giving the gift. And in fact, she did eventually make high priestesses and priests for nice. this this thing. So it was it was 
separate from uh, One Taste, but it basically One Taste was just a tool to bring them into this cult. And now she's on the run. People don't really know where she is. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> like, the last time uh, she posted something, she was, like, in Bali or something like that. My God. Uh, because the FBI started investigating, because there was people who were like, hey, uh, I just came out of this experience, and I thought it would be good for me, but... At the end, I realized that I was manipulated into doing sexual acts that I didn't want to do. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. when you put it like that, that's fair. Yeah. When they're being manipulated into sexual acts, they don't want that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I'm hearing is like, this lady's telling us to have sex and she's making a religion out of it. And I, just, you yeah. Know, so like, we don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how far into making it an established thing it got there was one former member who said that when that happened when they started making a religious elements and started doing rituals he was one of the first to be asked to be a priest and he had already been a little bit disenchanted by nicole at this point but he still believed in the oming system and so he said oh okay this kind of makes sense you know we turn it into a religion and then we get a tax break that, that <laughs> yeah, makes exactly. sense. Business-wise, to him, it made sense. So he kept on going <clears> along <throat> with it until eventually he was like, no. And him and his partner left, eventually. <laughs> Every business longs to be a religion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and that will, you know, if we didn't take turns on this, that would be a perfect segue into my second thing. But I'll take a break and, and let you talk. <laughs> Did you give it a face? Oh, uh, yeah, I give it this movie a face. Uh, it is very interesting. Uh, I wish there was more information about Nicole herself in it. But the thing is, is that not a, pe- a lot of people really know her backstory, which is a very yeah. common thing with, you know, con people. Uh, they do yeah. think that she was a stripper and maybe possibly uh, a sexual work, a sex worker. And she was very evidently very smart because she would quote these different religious texts and stuff. So, like, obviously she had to read and study them. It was interesting. I just wish there was a little bit more on on her individually to try to understand what it was that she thought she was trying to do. But it seems all in all the opinion of the former members is that she just wanted to manipulate people and have people following her yeah those kind of shows aren't really my shtick but it's very fascinating stuff yeah uh my next film is the menu i did directed by mark mylod and written by seth race and and will tracy yeah very fascinating it's a black comedy film it hooked me because obviously anya taylor joy she is the main character she plays Margot. Margot Robbie? No, she plays Margot. Just oh. Margot. It says here Margot Mills, but I don't ever remember her last name being mentioned in the, the movie. So well, What a strange uh, movie that would be, Anya Taylor-Joy playing Margot Robbie. Yeah, it wouldn't really work, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she plays Margot, who is invited to a very fancy, like, high-class foodie restaurant um host which which the main chef four michelin stars yeah like like all the all the shit like 
top food critics go there and it's like it's very fancy and posh and like i would never understand how to live like go there right like if i were to be at this restaurant i would be so confused and out of place and everybody would be laughing at me because i used the wrong fork <laughs> you know it's like it's that kind of a place like everything is so pristine and, and designed and you have the the main chef who is uh man i'm struggling finding through castlets here, Ray Fiennes uh, playing Julian Slowick, who is Slowick. a celebrity chef. Slowick or Slowick, I don't know, but uh, he, he is a huge in the industry, like top chef. Everybody knows this guy. He is the the best of the best. You know, he he and his crew they are on an, a secluded island where you have to take a boat out to the restaurant, and you know it costs like. I can't remember the price, but it's like $5,000 per person to go to this restaurant. And you're, you're served a meal that's incredibly themed. You know, it's like eight dishes, all, all planned out, all well themed. There's a message in it. You know, he's trying to teach, he's telling a story through food. And Margot goes there with, uh, Tyler, played by Nicholas Holt, who I remember as the witness me guy from, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. The guy who sprays his face right. and yells, like, notice me or whatever, right. witness me. It's in the grate as well as the Emperor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have not watched that, but you are right. He also plays Beast in the strangest casting ever. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> X-Men's Beast, not, not yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. my God. It's really weird. But he's he is good. I really enjoy his acting, and he's really funny here. Because he is a very snobbish person. Like, he will smack your hand. Like, it's in the trailer. He smacks Anya Taylor-Joy's hand away from, like, grabbing food so that he can take a photo of it. Because he is very much the guy who has to take photos of his food and post them on Instagram. And he does that even though he is told when they get to the restaurant, he is is very loudly told, do not take photos of the food. He still sneaks photos of literally every single dish. Uh, it, it gets kind of weird. You kind of start wondering why his attitude is the way it is, because it turns out that the the uh, the twist of the the movie is that the theme, what what Ray Fiennes is trying to you know imply to people, is that the rich take take take, and it's time that they get their lesson. And he is he's pretty much planning to kill everybody. He is very upfront that everybody that has come to the event tonight, it's going to be his last event. His his restaurant is going out with a bang by killing all these rich people that came to his event, which include a top uh, film critic or a food critic. He's Voldemort again. I dude, it, his performance literally had Voldemort vibes. There are so <laughs> many times where he would like look at the screen, and I would just see Voldemort and just be like, "Damn!" Like he's really pulling deep for this role. Like, like he, like it sounds like a joke, but he actually is amazing in this movie. Like, I really loved his performance. Uh, the food critic Lillian Bloom, played by Janet McTeer, who is you know just as snobbish as Nick Holt, you know, the, all these critics are, are very snobbish people. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny coming, you know, as a critic to watch this, I'm right. like, yeah, fuck these people. Like, Food fuck critic, them all though, up. I feel like that's another breed. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a little str- stronger tiered than what we are. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little, a little more rigorous. Uh, what do I want to say? Uh, I feel like we have the, the ability to make people cry, but we, you know, we probably don't. <laughs> and or, or or if they do if they do it's not intended 
Right, yeah. We're not here to hurt anybody's feelings. Whereas a food critic would be, you know, really, really happy, really mirthful if you were to bring, say, the, your finest glass of the chef's tears to their table. Right. They'd be like, oh, good. Yes, right. I will drink this. Also, like, like, a meal is just so personal. Like, yeah. you know, you cook a meal for somebody and then they're like, no, this is the worst fucking garbage I've ever eaten in the world. And you're like, ah, oh, if only they could have tried a different meal that I had. Like, I made it so well yeah. the other day. <laughs> Where, whereas with a movie, there's so many fucking people that see the same movie. And yes, they're going to hear critics right. talk about it. And that will mess with their psyche. But they didn't, like, make it from scratch. There were so many other people involved. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's easier to take in. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can understand but, uh, that. Course, I have such a very weird. I haven't been uh, criticized, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you're big, when you're big in the movie, you know, it's yeah. like that. That's a little different. Once you're a bigger name, but like, I don't know. With I have such a weird, weirdly different relationship to food, where it's like it's not really personal to me. If I make a meal and people hate it, I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry, guys, I made a shit meal. You know, that's happened before. I was like, you guys want to try this? And, like, I could tell people aren't really into it. I'm like, that's all right. Yeah. Like, I don't need to make this again. Uh, but, like, at the same time, too, when I'm eating somebody else's meal, I'm just eating. I'm just consuming. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I'm not, I'm not, like, really, I, I, I can go a whole day with, like, barely eating anything and not realize it. Like, it's a problem. Mm. I know it is. But, like, it's, it's not, I, I've eaten the same meals. Like, I'm such a bland eater. That I don't know. I like food's not, you know. When I when I watch this movie, it's very hilarious to me when I'm watching the menu and all the jokes are making everything because it just seems a little ludicrous uh, over the time. All these, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like all these things that they're like, like when when they're talking about the move, the meals and the prep work and everything, and like Nicholas Holt is like, everything is a story. He's telling us a message with each dish. I'm like laughing inwardly. I'm like, dude, he's just fucking making you a steak. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like come on. But it's it's really he really is telling a story through his meals like it really is a, an actual thing and i really love the humor of it as things start to go crazy as people start to get cut and die maybe and shit starts to get a little real it gets crazy fun and you know it's like it's really enjoyable like the, my audience was laughing a lot Good. And I was laughing with them. I'm going to talk later about a film where my audience was laughing and I was not. And how weird that experience was. But with this one, it was great how we were all together just like really loving the fuck out of this movie. And all the performances are good. I want to talk that uh, John Leguizamo is in this um, okay. as an actor who is a name drop actor. He's like, he's <laughs> like, I know the chef. Of course I know the chef. Like we're best friends. They're not really, but you know, he's got to do that. He, he even makes fun of a... A film that was very comedic that he didn't really want to do and people make a lot of fun about because the movie fucking sucked. And, you know, it's very much has a lot of those like <laughs> Super Mario vibes and like in other, sure, I'm sure John Leguizamo films that he's probably a little regretful of, but uh. it was fun. It seems like everybody is having a really good time with their roles and their, and their characters. And I just feel like there's some area, some elements that don't don't have like a really good development or conclusion, and that's like really the only issue is that there's just like there's there's so many subplots and like many characters that it just feels like some things don't quite get the resolution they deserve. Right. 
But overall, I had a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. It's three and a half stars. Nice. I definitely want to watch that one. You know, for the cast, and I, I like dark comedies a lot too, typically. Uh, and it just seems like a fun one. Yeah, this was like one of the best dark comedies I've seen in a long time. Like, it, I don't know. Good ones don't come I mean, out might, very honestly, often, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't really get well. Like, I feel like people love them, but they don't love them enough to see them in theaters. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm not very happy about the current economic situation is that I, I can't directly support this art medium that I love. Like, I used yeah. to call the th- movie theater my fourth home. And that's because I was a, a child of divorce and we also went to church a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could, I, I agree with you. I was there literally every week and now I kind of have to talk myself to go into the theater. Like literally today I was like, I'm going to go see a movie. You know, there's a movie out that I wanted to see. So I was like, I'm going to go see it. But as it got closer and closer, I'm just like, man, I really just want to go home to my dog. Like, I wish this movie was yeah. just released on a streaming platform so I could just go home and watch it. And I'm just like, I don't want to go to the theater. And yeah, I felt guilty about it, too, which is annoying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, it's not my fault I don't go see this film. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. don't want to see it sometimes. Yeah. I just am tired. And I yeah. want to be tired in my house where I cannot wear shoes if I want. well do you want to talk about more cults or talk about a comedy dramedy series comedy dramedy (laughs) let's keep the comedy dramedy for the for the to hype up for the end all right yeah let's let's talk more cults okay we're talking more cults indianapolis cults (laughs) yeah that's right this is all about baby horses Um, sports ball sports ball and baby horses. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is The Vow, which uh, I have uh, h- tried to hype up a little bit. It is an HBO Max original, and it goes very in-depth into the Nexium self-help company, I guess, but th- really it's a cult. And, uh, (laughs) I mean, this one more so than the other one, people had to, like, step back and be like, oh, shit, I am in a cult. You know, at least the other one, people were like, okay, I mean, maybe it is a bit culty, but I have become more intimate with people, and I am fucking. (laughs) (laughs) This one has, uh... An element of that too, but is definitely uh, a little more twisted, I would say. Nexium started when this very intelligent person, uh, he claims to have the highest IQ out of everyone living, but I don't know that's if that's impressive. true. But his name. He hasn't met me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so smart, my penis touches the floor when I walk. Um, oh my goodness, I didn't know those two were even related. I guess I'm not are. as smart as you. <laughs> so, uh, Keith Raniere is this man's name. And uh, he he got his start by starting this company in the 90s 
that was like a uh, super saver company where people would call in and be like, hey, yeah, I would love to save money on groceries, utilities, all sorts of different shit. But also you could call and be like, hey, I'm looking for this, but I don't know where to find it. And then these people, this group of people will help you find it by doing nice. the telephone calls for you. It's basically like smart shopping before the internet was super popular. Anyhow, it turned out that he was uh, apparently doing some embezzlement and it was basically just a pyramid scheme, a very well disguised pyramid scheme. Shit. That all crumbled underneath his feet. And then he met Nancy Saltzman. And she uh, was a therapist who w- tried to work with pain management. And she worked a lot with the uh, mind-body pain response and also with hypnotism to help alleviate some of this pain, you know? And so she meets him thinking like the work that she's doing really isn't helping people the way that she wants. And he has all these great ideas. You know, he writes them down, he sends them to her and she's like, I think uh, my, my headphone lost battery. So, okay. I'm back on the headphone. Uh, You look like you farted and you're trying to escape it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> their turtleneck goes over their green face so well. Oh my god, let me tell you, I bought a turtleneck today that is so fucking huge that when I put it on, I literally couldn't see over the top of the turtleneck. Nice. And, uh, and like I had to fold it down like four times until I was like... <gasps> <laughs> you was better it? fucking believe I bought that shit. <laughs> you bought it? Nice. I bought it. It looks so funny. I love it. <laughs> I'll get into turtlenecks. It's really, it's so, really a thing. We ran it's into nice. some quick technical dif- difficulty, and I know I was in yeah, the middle doodles. in the middle of uh, a synopsis, but uh, I, I think I remember vaguely where I left off. He meets Nancy Saltzman. They make the modules right. for what they want to do, and basically, it's a it's a program. Like you, you get in touch with the people, and what did they call it? SOP was the group that did it, but the, oh, it was, it was not oming. It was not auditing. And I think I mentioned what it was earlier, uh, when I was hyping up the show earlier, but I can't, I can't recall. Anyways, he ends up getting popular by getting people to enlist that are celebrities. And hold on, I kind of want to come back to that because I want to mention that uh, when they finally got everything kicked off and started, he was never actually officially a member of it, but was called the co-founder. And that's for legal reasons, because he had all that trouble with that first company that he had. So he was called Vanguard, though, because he's the guy yeah. with the, the ideas and stuff like that. I remember, I remember you yes. hyping that up. Yes. I like that. And, um, and the reason why he picked it was because it was a video game, arcade game that he had in his garage. Hell yeah. And, Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so Nancy. I am Vanguard. <laughs> I am Vanguard. So Nancy gets to be called Proctor and she becomes the That's teacher. That's exciting of yeah it's basically for them it just meant teacher and she teaches the modules to these people basically is like 
facing your fear in a very short amount of time with psychological questions that make you think about, you know, your life and why you're not achieving your goals and stuff like that. I wish I remember what exactly the term was that they used. EMing. That's what it was. It's called EMing. And I, it's an abbreviation for something, but I don't recall. I hate Proctor also because it just it makes me think of rectum. Yeah. Yeah. Proctologist. Just proctologist. Yeah. 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 Anyways, like, that's just a bad name. They they make all these videos of Nancy. This is another really weird thing about the cult is that it may be the the most well documented cult ever because it, you know it's it's the late nineties two thousand two two thousand teens you know and he gets these he gets these. Hollywood people involved, not necessarily Hollywood people, with these people who are actors and movie makers involved, especially one person, Mark Vicente. And Mark Vicente be- kind of becomes this guy's best friend and his personal video maker for this co- the, the, this organization. So there's so much video evidence of what this guy says and stuff like that. And it's like, he gets you in... With this processing, you know, that actually does seem to have some help for these people. And then he comes in and starts with all these psychological manipulation tactics. But you're already bought in, you know, so you don't see it until you look back, you know, once you realize what has happened to you, look back over all this footage that you've taken. It's been like, this is some crazy shit this guy's talking. And I ate it up. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, yeah, like he, there's so many episodes that's really hard to say everything that there is. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this because it's so freaking in depth. And you got to thank Mark Vicente for that, especially for the first season, because once they get out, they're going around and trying to help other people get out. And one thing that happens, and the reason why they get out, is that they find out that there was a secret organization within this thing and they had all sorts of groups under this umbrella nexium for different things like there was a group just for women a group just for men a group for people who wanted to act all this kind of stuff but dos was a secret sorority of women who pledged a vow to a master who was another woman and became their slave. And there was also a branding ritual and all this oh stuff. Oh my god. Yes. So one person, a very, like the best friend of this Mark Vicente person, she got involved. Her name is Sarah Edmondson and she was an actor who was in some things. Uh, speaking of, uh, Mark's wife, Bonnie Peace, I think is how you say her name. She plays Luke's this being Luke Skywalker's aunt in the newer interpretations of uh, the Star Wars universe. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, in Obi-Wan, so she was more most recently in Obi-Wan, but she became gotcha. this character, I believe, in, in Rogue One, and then very shortly after that became involved, or no, it was the prequels that she was in. She was in the prequels, and then gotcha. very yeah, shortly yeah. became involved with this organization married mark uh she was actually the first one to leave uh, because she found out about this dos thing before a lot of other people 
Eventually, Sarah helped Mark realize that it was real because she had gotten swept up in it and she had the brand on her and she realized that the brand was actually Keith Ranieri's initials just made into a special way. And if you looked at it a different way, it was also somebody else's initials. Allison Mack. Do you remember Allison Mack? Okay. Well, she was a childhood (laughs) star and she also wasn't necessarily interviewed for this, but she was a main character in Smallville, and okay. she was the blonde uh, reporter for the high school paper that was one of his best, gotcha. with Clark's best friends. Anyways, she basically started DOS with Keith. She she was so in love with this master guru guy and started having sex with him because he was very much a sex addict and very much used his power to get what he wanted with with women particularly yeah so she helped him start this organization that made this chain of masters and slaves like a pyramid scheme and all these women would eventually rise up to have this opportunity to have sexual relations with keith jesus christ so basically yeah basically when that all got found out this guy mark vicente got, got out and got a bunch of people out with his wife and along with Sarah and her husband. Then finally he got pressed charges and he fled to Mexico. And then the second season is about him getting caught. Oh my God. Two and seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's kind of strange because Mark Vicente stops being the, and Sarah Edmondson stop being like the main focus. And it's more mm. the a focus of the trial and uh, p- witnesses that came forward during the trial, and also people who are still supporting this guy that oh were God. even a part of this DOS system because they were just so convinced that everything within this sorority was just an extension of these teachings because he used, he and Allison Mack intentionally used terms that were being used for this system that they had already accomplished, like collateral and penance being uh, two of the main words. So basically to become a part of this system, you had to give up like a secret. So basically you had to give them something to blackmail you with before they let you into this group. And then you feel like you can't leave. Very, very classic uh, tactics in the end. Yeah, but it's Why just join that. It's just so crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking crazy. And um, by the way, uh, he, uh, Nancy Saltzman, who had, she had like an inkling that this guy was messed up sexually wise, but you know, she figured as long as everybody's consenting, what's what's the deal? Yeah, and and she believed in this program so much, but really, she was brainwashed by him as well. And he, he was using her as a front to get people in, you know, to give him credibility. So she went to prison as well, not for very long. Her daughter, who was really mixed up in it and also like one of the higher members in DOS, she, you know, just snapped out of her, her daydream of it 
or whatever you want to call it and realized how bad things were that she was doing and she pled guilty and a whole bunch of people were like hey she was brainwashed and she was like 16 you guys got to take it easier on her and she had just a short probationary period uh time served kind of thing that happened for her but keith ranieri like 150 years or something like that in prison allison mack she in her trial said hey i have been going to therapy i realize now how wrong it was what i did but i did it you know kind of thing and she's also in prison yeah so crazy fucking shit this shit happens in real life it's still happening today obviously uh this trial was i think in 2020 so yeah in fact it was because at one point everybody starts wearing masks and uh less people are allowed in the courtroom it's like right at the the start of yeah the man that's crazy shit yep sure is and i never heard about any of it yeah although i do recognize allison mack now that i looked her up i was like okay i know who you're talking about by face though i haven't i don't really remember smallville i remember bits and pieces of smallville so so i'd be interested in going back to that someday you know, I was watching Smallville when I discovered, not this show, but about this <laughs> sex call. It was, and it must have been during the pandemic because I was looking for something to watch, you know? HBO <laughs> Max was a thing at this point, so I um, was starting to watch it, and then, you know, you hear that she went to jail. And I was like, oh, yeah. wait, what for? And it's like, for this <laughs> weird sex call shit? Oh, God, I don't think I can watch this show the same way anymore, so I, I put it down. Well, now you know why he's with Lois. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, the person who plays Lana in the show, she was a part of the cult for a short time as well. But she left oh very, very early on after, you know, things were turning south. But I, I, I feel like after I've seen this, I can give Allison Mack another chance because it seems like she was very highly manipulated, you know. Well, fuck. Let's take a soda pop break. Yeah. And uh, come back to wrap her up. Sounds good. We'll be right back. There I go. I love you. Are we back? Oh, we can be back. back. We can be. We can back. Yeah, we do. Uh, I mean, it's me up and... Uh... I'm coming at you with Disney's latest animation, their 61st animated film, Strange World. Disney's Strange World. Oh, right. It's a Marvel movie. So weird. Not Marvel. Disney movie. (laughs) I thought it was Doctor Strange. No, it's just its its own own little animation. It's just a... The guy looks like an animation of Benedict Cumberbatch then. (laughs) <laughs> really i don't i don't, I don't know i just was under a weird weird impression that it was a doctor strange movie <laughs> that is that is weird because when i saw it it, it it has a if you see the trailer it's got a lot of pulp magazine like really <coughs> classic sci-fi shout outs it's very journey to the center of the earth or king kong like it's got a very b b science film feel like I really love that trailer. It's very, very awesome. Like it, it makes me I think. Recall like, seeing of the worlds. I recall seeing yeah. the trailer now, but no, I had. And no the main, idea. <laughs> yeah, the main character, the main character, I thought looked like John Krasinski. I thought it was John Krasinski doing a voice. It's not. It's Jake Gyllenhaal playing Searcher Clade. 
Um, at the beginning of the film, Searcher Clade is out uh, exploring with his father, Jaeger Clade. And Jaeger Clade is played by Dennis Quaid. Don't get all that okay. confused. I know. <laughs> it's very, it's very, a lot of rhymes and, and names there. But Jaeger Clade is very, very intent on exploring beyond the mountains. That's all he cares about. He just wants to explore beyond the mountains. He doesn't care about his his kid, really. He cares about his legacy. And he wants, if he dies, he wants his kid's legacy to be to, you know, finish his legacy, to explore beyond the mountains. You know, it's, he wants it to be a family legacy kind of thing. But, but Searcher, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's not really like that. You know, like, the whole point is to help their, their village back home. Because their village is like running out of resources or whatever, and you know his father thinks the answer lies beyond the mountains. But when they when they get up into the mountains, Searcher finds this this plant. Uh, it's it's Pondo Pondo Power Source or whatever. I can't remember. Uh, it's been a while. Hmm. Um, but like he he finds this this plant that is you know it can energize the entire city. And he's like, Dad, this isn't you know Ooh. the answer is not beyond the mountain. We found the answer right here. Let's take this back to the village, and we'll save the village. And his father refuses and continues on, but Searcher goes back home with the rest of the mountaineers, and they become heroes because they, they save the village. Right. But his father is gone. His father just left, just oh, continued man. on with the quest. Stubborn man. Yeah, cut forward, year, cut forward years later to where Searcher Clade is now a father himself. He is married to Meridian played by Ooh. Gabrielle Union, and they have a kid, Ethan Clade, played by Jabuki Young-White. And it took it took Disney 61 animated movies, but we finally got here, folks. They have a main character who is openly gay. Nice. And it took a very long time, but uh, Ethan Clade is openly gay. And the nicest part about it is that that's it. It's, it's just a thing. He, he, is a, he has a boyfriend... And the movie doesn't spend time focusing on, you know, the parents talking about it or people reacting to it. It's just normal. It's just life. It's just how people are. And it's nice are. because, yeah, I just feel like there's, like, <laughs> I only mention it because I feel like whenever a show or a movie has an LGBT character, they feel like they have to, like, call it out. Yeah, that has to be a part of their storyline. And it's like they, they want to market it as that. And I feel like Disney did a good job at not marketing it as that because I didn't know anything about it until I went into theaters and I was like, oh, this is nice. There we go. Good job, Disney. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it, I feel like it's weird because this movie is bombing horribly at the box office. And I feel like part of it is because it was under-marketed. Mm. So it's like it's a, it's a really weird area where I'm at, a very gray area where it's like I feel like they should have marketed it better. And maybe marketing it as having a LGBTQ character for Disney hmm. for the very first time might have helped it, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But at the same time, I'm happy that they didn't because it's like, it's just, they're trying to, you know, it's like, it's like a normal thing. And it's really nice how they present it. I really do applaud this That's film. probably, I would say, I feel like they've been pretty smart on the um political change the the social change yeah. aspect anyways that sounds about right like they didn't want uh, over heart hyping it would seem would make it feel like marketing it for profit's sake and it's like right that's not what the gay community needs right now they need exactly. they need overall acceptance 
And, like, I want to applaud the film for it at the same time. Like, it was really nice. I do enjoy the, the plot line between uh, Searcher and his father, Jaeger, as well as Searcher and his son, Ethan. And how throughout the whole movie, there's, like, this nice story of, of understanding that it's not the family's legacy, it's your legacy. You know, it's, it's nice. you doing what is best for you. And I really enjoy how the film handles that and tells that story. At the same time, this film is really fucking boring. Like, I, I really, like, I'm really kind of upset at how boring the, the script is. It's very conventional. Like, you, you kind of, like, once you see something, you immediately know what's following that. Mm. You know, it's like they give you plot point A, and you can easily get to Z in your own head within five minutes, and, and, and you still realize you have an hour and 45 minutes left of movie to watch. But you already know everything that's going to happen because it's very fucking obvious. That's display. There's, and there's so much of that. And there's a lot of voice work, too, that I don't want to, like, harp on the voice work because I think everybody's good. Like, Lucy Liu is the only other name I haven't really mentioned. Um, she plays uh, the president of the village. And, you know, she does a good job. Alan Tudyk has a very small role. And, you know, I love Alan Tudyk. Of we course. both do. But, like, there's just a lot of the voice work, even though it's good... It feels, to me, it felt very much we're in the studio just talking into a microphone. Like, it didn't feel like the characters were there. Like, they were in the scenarios they were experiencing. And maybe it's just me being, you know, I don't know, focusing too much on it. But, like, Jake Gyllenhaal especially. Like, I don't know, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of, like, not a lot of heart in this Disney film. Which is very weird for an animation. It's very underwhelming. And it was was very disappointing and, and... you know, I was kind of sad, but I do like, I don't know, it's, it's very weird. It's it's like, I love the messaging in this film, because I think there's a lot of good stuff to say, but they didn't hammer it all as well as Disney normally does. Mm. You know, they didn't, they didn't polish it off really well and neat. And so the, the animation's beautiful, but the script just is not there. It's not hitting right. Um, so I give it two and a half stars. You know, it's kind of like, wait until it's on Disney Plus, don't go see it in the theaters. Which really sucks because this movie is like a hundred million dollars in the hole. But ouch, yeah, because yeah. really animation bad. is expensive. Yeah, and they do have a final shot, like the 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 world this whole film takes place in. I don't know. It's like it hits a really nice nerdy spot for me. Like it's not, it's nothing new, and it's definitely like an Easter egg or a shout out to uh, certain sci fi epics before it. But, like, when they did it, I was just like, oh, that's nice. Like, you know, it, it, it's got moments. It still gets two and a half stars. It's got moments. It's just, it's very underwhelming and disappointing. That's too bad. Uh, it, it definitely sounds like something that I would have liked it as a kid and nobody else would have. Right. Like, it's boring, Blake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, so no, it's cool, sci-fi guys. <laughs> You're all dumb. You're all dumb. Well, uh, something that's not sci-fi at all, but does include a little bit of CGI, <laughs> is killing it. New this year, Peacock original s- series starring, Ooh, Peacock. yeah, Peacock, uh, starring um, Greg Robinson. <gasps> not Greg, uh, Craig. I'm sorry. You know Craig Robinson. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Okay. But uh, it's not, it's not, wait, it, it is Craig Robinson, not Craig, Greg Robinson? Not Greg. Craig, yeah, okay. Craig. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Yeah, he's on The I Office, like you know, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. he's fun. He plays 
Craig. And Good. yeah. Good. <laughs> he is the star. Is this in the same universe as the this is the end? <laughs> <laughs> no, he is not <clears throat> actually playing Craig Robinson. Dang it. But he is living in uh Florida near the Everglades. And uh, he is just trying... Oh, he- actually, Miami. They-, they do mention it's Miami. And he is just... He's trying so hard to make his dream of being an American uh, entrepreneur work. Uh, at the start of the movie, he is working as a security guard at a bank. And he is going to have a meeting with the general manager or whatever to pitch a business idea to start planting these berries in a, uh, a plot of swampland that are only grow in Florida and uh, pharmaceutical companies want them very, very much because nice. they help reduce prostate growth. They shrink pe- your prostate. So it's great for hmm. a- basically any male over 50. <laughs> and he wants to get into this business and he really believes in it. So one of the first things that you see is him in bed giving this pitch as he's like getting ready through the day. It's like a, a mon it's a monologue over a montage and it's interesting. I like <laughs> how they do it. And he's getting ready and he, you know, he knocks on his daughter's door and says, Vanessa, get ready. Vanessa's played by Jet Miller. And he is split from her mom, Camille, played by Stephanie No Guirez. And she is deaf, Camille is. So there is some sign going on in this show. And it, that that's another interesting factor, I think. And he goes and takes her there. And he's like, it's an important day. Will you please take her to school today? I have this meeting. And he goes in, meets with his boss, starts his pitch. And he's like, his boss is like, wait a minute, are, are you trying to get a loan? And, and he's like, yeah, that's why I set up this meeting. And the guy thought it was actually like, it, it was a racist joke about oh, it, no. about the boss dressing up as Shaq at the Halloween party. He's like, somebody, somebody complained to corporate and I just assumed it was you uh, oh, because man. you are the only person i haven't talked to about it (laughs) (laughs) that's awful (laughs) nah and 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 craig was like oh nah i i that didn't bother me let me talk to you about these berries and and the guy's like because i just had makeup on my chest and my arms my my not on my face i i wore a mask you you remember I know the rules. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, that shit was stupid, but cracked me up. Anyways, um, <clears throat> he gets denied basically because he's black, and that is upsetting. But anyways, moving on. He also uh, he comes to his brother Isaiah complaining about this. Isaiah is played by Rel Battle. And he's complaining about how it didn't work out for him. And and Isaiah's like, you should go back in there right now and say, hey, I've worked here for 10 years. I feel like I should, I, I, that you should know that I am a responsible person and, uh, I should have the respect of anybody else as a small business, uh, person. 
And so he goes in to start talking to his boss. And at that moment, the bank gets robbed. And he wasn't where he was supposed <laughs> to be. And uh, Isaiah is the one who robs the bank. So Isaiah is like this this criminal. But he he and Craig love each other. So they talk to each other all the time. But Isaiah just, anytime he gets information from Craig, he's going to use it. He's he's just an opportunist that way. Uh, including oh, uh, Craig goes to this like big uh, business convention that's like an inspirational thing, but really just a big old scam for these people to make a lot of money off of you, including uh, Rodney Lamanka, played by Tim Heidecker. Uh, he runs this this convention oh, nice. called Diamond. Uh, yeah, Diamonine? I don't know. It's something stupid. Dominine. Dominine because it's better than Dominate. Tim Heidecker's Tim and Eric, right? I think so. Let me nice. do a clicky. I do love him. If that is him. Yes. Tim and Eric. You're right. And he oh, is nice. pretty funny, but also stupid. And, and you know, very <laughs> much making fun of uh, rich people. And Isaiah uh, scams this convention. And then he gets caught scamming the convention and he starts working for Rodney to try to, you know, scam him. And that gets him in a lot of trouble. Let's step back. It's called killing it because <laughs> Craig to make money, uh, gets in with this, uh, lady named Jillian, Jillian Gloop or Jillian G as he calls her constantly. He hooks up with her through Uber just to get a ride, but ends up helping her kill pythons to reduce the ecological damage that they are causing in the Everglades. And apparently people Jesus. get paid, it's like $10 a foot for python, uh, for a python. And you know, they're usually like- $10 you know, a foot? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good because most of them are at least six feet and that's the young ones. And so, you know, you can yeah. get ones that are like- 22 feet long you know and they're just taking over the everglades so uh jillian is played by claudia o doherty i'm not very good with i think irish names so names. yeah uh but she <laughs> she is an australian and she um is really really struggling so her dad moved her here and he died and she you know basically just had to live on her own and figure it out and, you know, America's hard when you're an immigrant on your own. <laughs> like, really hard. Yeah. She, like, lives... She has this car that she calls a Mercedes-Benz, but it is not. It's a station wagon that she <laughs> glued a Mercedes-Benz thing onto. Nice. And, I um, like that. Yeah. It's hilarious. And she's, like, one of my favorite actors right now. I saw her in just a few other things. One thing was called Love. I didn't even watch the whole thing it's a comedy on netflix but she was one of the main side characters and every scene she was in was so fucking funny she is so hilarious nice. and her chemistry with craig ferguson uh, craig robinson is great craig ferguson different completely <laughs> different show that would be uh, <laughs> but, but uh 
they are great and they start killing the snakes for this competition that they can get $22,000, which is exactly what he needs to buy the farmland to start this company. And gotcha. so that's that's kind of basically all the elements to this, except for they meet this guy named Brock, who's also doing the snake hunting. And he is he's not quite so bad that I'd call him a Florida man, but he 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 wears the camo. He, he I mean, he is a Florida Floridian. He's playing a Floridian uh, yeah. and he's played by Scott MacArthur. Every line that this guy had cracked me up, but I think it was more for the writing because he's very yelly, and that's not usually what I like. But I laughed almost every yeah, time he fair. opened his mouth. So, you know, obviously he was delivering it well enough for me to laugh. He and his son, Corby, are a team, and they make YouTube videos of him hunting these snakes. That His storyline is actually really sweet. It, after a while he but he's definitely this grody character and they all become friends in the end but it's like very complicated because they're in this competition against each other lots of fun just watched it over the last two days so just barely made it in this episode uh go watch killing it i i really enjoyed it i thought the way it ended was honestly kind of strange i hope there's more Hey, I don't know if I would watch it. It sounds very entertaining, but at the same time, it doesn't sound like something I would be like. It's it's it offbeat. It's offbeat. Yeah. So you know, not everybody's into that. But I really had a great time watching it. Nice. Not much complaints. It gets a face. Nice. Well, to wrap it up, then uh, allow me to uh, talk about a film that my audience had a lot of fun with that I did not have fun with and that's violent night yeah <laughs> violent night directed by tommy Workola, written by pat casey and josh miller it's a uh, it's a 28 uh no it's 87 87 north productions that's um the john wick guy uh okay. david leach david leach gotcha um very you know he he does a lot of films a lot of his films and the films that come from 87 north productions focus on action you know there's a lot about stunts and stunt work and you know a lot of good action set pieces and so violent night is a comedy uh christmas film you know it's that time it's that wonderful time of the season of course violent night you know it's obviously a ripoff silent night um it is a violent comedy uh santa claus specific film where santa claus is played by david harbour and santa claus is uh it is pretty funny, and he is a he is a drunken, uh, tired Santa Claus. You know, he's got a long life. Um, there's a lot of a lot of mythology around this Santa Claus, which I really like. The film does Ooh. go into kind of a backstory about his past. You know, it's like a lot of Norse. Um, I think it was Norse background and stuff like that. They they focus on, and you know, he's got a he he talks about his hammer called School Crusher. Um, he used to have a hammer called School Crusher, and he was a warrior before he was Santa Claus, before he became, you know, this this fella who visits everybody around the whole world and gives, you know, presents to all the little, the nice kids, and, you know, nothing or coal to the, the naughty kids. And this Santa, though, he's he's just tired, and he's he's very very drunk all the time and he's slurring all the time to the point where I couldn't really understand what David Harbour was saying. And oh, I was actually wondering, I feel bad. 
Like, I know that David Harbour was just a really good actor, but there were moments where I was like, was David Harbour actually drunk making yeah. this? Because he's he's slurring so much that me, who I'm partially deaf, if you don't know, in my left ear, uh, to the, the listeners out there, that is, like, I, I do need subtitles. I know I probably do. And that does kind of sometimes make my theater going experience a little less fun. Right. So maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe I didn't understand some of the jokes that were being made. But, like, a lot of the jokes were just stupid and dirty jokes that I just don't typically enjoy. Sure. So, like, the film the film opens up with uh, Santa leaving a bar. You know, the classic Santa way. He goes up to the roof, gets on it, gets <laughs> in his sleigh with the reindeer, and he flies away. And the barkeep runs up because she just thinks that the drunk man is going up to the top of yeah. the roof to just jump off the building. So, she, she runs up there to stop him. And she, she sees the sleigh, and she sees the reindeer, and she's like... Oh my God! It's Santa, and then he vomits on her, oh, and it's gross. it's very you know it's it's one of those films. I see. And if you get through that, yeah, if you get through that opening and you're laughing, then the film is going to be for you, and you realize that. If you get through it like me, and you're like, oh no, it's one of the gross out comedy kind of films, isn't it? And it's not really. That's like the grossest joke they tell. But like that that was my attitude right. initially from the intro. You're probably gonna have more of like my time, which is like a lot of the jokes don't hit. They're kind of just like low low hanging fruit jokes. Yeah, why would you start um, with that? I feel like a a yeah. vomit gag that you have to work up to to make it work. Like it, it's right? not necessary. <clears throat> it's never necessary. No. I will tell you that much. Uh but And of course <clears throat> Of course, they follow their vomit joke up with a poop joke, where he's on a he's on the rooftop with the reindeer, and as he's walking away, he slips in poop, and he's like, "Oh, oh, who 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 did this? Oh, oh, was it you? Oh, come on, Donner, what the heck, man? Yeah. You know?" And like my audience is just going like, "Oh my god, oh ha ha, poop joke, he slipped yeah. in poop," and I'm just like, "Ah, this is." This is where we're at as a society, you know. Like this is this is comedy to us, and like I'm just bored with it. And a lot of the jokes are like that. And like a lot of people are praising it. It's getting a lot of good reviews from critics, which is good. You know, it's just and like I don't know. This is the kind of film that I, I walked out of, and it's it's very much a rip off of Die Hard. Mm. Like Santa, Santa's basically going about his day, you know, dropping off presents. And then the building he's at, this this very this rich kid's building. This um, hold on, let me get the kid up because she was good. I will I will admit the child. Well, yeah, actor was she good. was on the nice list. Yeah, exactly. She was the yeah. <laughs> no, there there it is. Trudy Lightstone, played by Leah Leah Brady. I think that's her. Uh, I think it was Trudy Lightstone. Very nice kid. Her parents, though, her family, rich people, are under siege by again Jean Leguizamo. John Leguizamo is back. He is the villain. He's playing Mr. Scrooge, the leader of a bunch of mercenaries who have a gripe against this family. And they also know this family is rich and has close to like $300 million or whatever in hard cash on location at their building, at their, in a safe in the basement of their, their mother's house. The mother is Gertrude Lightstone, played by Beverly D'Angelo. Very mean-spirited, cool to her entire family. You know, she's all about the money, all about the business, everything like that. And Trudy's parents, Jason Lightstone, played by Alex Hazel, and the wife Linda Matthews, played by Alexis Louder, 
they're going through some rough patches. You know, they're in a, like a, a divorce area. Mm-hmm. Like they're not actually divorcing or they're not divorced yet, but it seems like that's where it's leading to. They're very estranged. You know, the money, the business, it's tearing them apart. And she's kind of tired of this family. She wants out of this life. But they have like one last Christmas. He, he talks her into it. One last Christmas. The family gets together and immediately gets kidnapped and besieged by Jeez. John Leguizamo and his mercenaries. And from there, it becomes a very much diehard ripoff where, you know, you have, you know, your your Bruce Willis character of drunken Santa Claus now having to be the hero right. to save this nice girl. She's on his list and she she's begging him, you know, like for her present for Christmas. Can he get her parents back together? And if he can't do that, can he at least save her and the family? Oh, and God. now he's going to try to save her and the family. He gets himself a hammer and he goes to town on these terrorists, you know, or these mercenaries, not terrorists. But, you know, and it's it's violent. It has a lot of that John Wick energy where it's like, you know, he's, he's beating the shit out of people and there's blood flying everywhere. And, you know, he uses a lot of Christmas objects and like, you know, ornaments and stuff like that as weapons. You know, pretty much anything that's like Christmassy, I'm sure he uses as a weapon. And it's kind of cool. I really did. There, there, again, this is, there, there are parts of this film that I enjoyed. There's a lot of good moments, but the comedy and the script and everything else, like everything this movie is trying to be, being a comedy, just fell flat for me. I just could not care. Mm-hmm. But my audience ate it the fuck up. They really <laughs> loved it. So, you know, it's like, take, take all of my words with a grain of salt, I guess. Like, it's 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 fine film you know there's a lot of calls for it to be a, a franchise now i guess like david harbour wants to make it a franchise and and oh, you know boy. the the producers david leach they're all on board for it and audiences seem to love it and critics seem to like it i guess i just couldn't well i'll give it a shot i guess because sometimes we do differ but I feel like I'm yeah. gonna agree with you after. <laughs> yeah, Get into and the ending, the ending really kind of pissed me off. Like, there's something that happens at the end that you ha- you have your typical Christmas moment where everybody everybody's like, oh, "I believe," you know, in Santa Claus and and the wonder of Christmas. You know, you have that Christmassy moment at the end, and something happens after that that has like no explanation and it makes no sense, and I'm just like. Like, it it really just left me kind of, like, confused, bored, Mm. and upset. Mm. But, like, I can see, I will be honest, I can see if they do a franchise and they continue to explore further this, like, backstory of Santa Claus. Like, this this Norse mythology and everything that he was a part of before he became Santa Claus. I do think there's cool stuff there. Like, I I give it two stars because it really bored me. But I can kind of understand a, a franchise coming from this. But I don't know. They just got they got to leave the stupid humor behind because like I don't I don't like I don't know. It, it, it sounds really highbrow of me and, and you know pompous, but like I don't like fart jokes and poop. Like there's there's a time and a place for them. Like Lighthouse right. Lighthouse figured out the fart joke perfectly. Like Willem Dafoe farting in the lighthouse is like the funniest <laughs> fucking thing ever. Like it was perfect. Uh, I think yeah. I think uh, poop humor can work. It not if it gets all over the person. We know nobody wants that. But the stepping yeah. in the poop joke can work if mm. people are already, you know, having a good time laughing. Right. <laughs> and and if they even bring it back around into the plot later. Let, let's say he's like yeah. running away and he slips in more poop and it causes him to get caught or something. Like if if you if you establish 
him setting up, you know, stepping in poop in the beginning right. and then bring it around to be plot important. Then my complaint is moot. You know, yeah. I can't complain about and there being it, that it kind of a scene. It would honestly be pretty funny too if he stepped yeah. up and there was reindeer poop on his red coat. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. See, we made it work like there's, better. There's ways to use it. It's just, they don't see it that way. They know that American audiences will just eat up a poop joke because we're just fucking fiends. Yeah, we're stupid. <laughs> and I think that's been Bangers and Ash. <laughs> you are the faceless Leon. Uh, and you are <laughs> the green traveler from Gorsh. Uh, safe travels. NBA, that's a fake place. Yeah, it's yeah, not real. Not a real Just place. know, guys. Uh, but, you yeah. know, ha- have a good time trying to find it. Safe travels. And good riddance.